This morning, we got an opportunity to share our first story of hope with Oaks Church for 2023. And um, I want to introduce a dear friend of mine from decades back, Big Jim Owens from Shreveport, Louisiana. Would you make your way up here, Big Jim, and, and, and come spend some time with me today? Remember that you remember that fella at the the guy and the girl the husband and wife another that came to Shreveport with me the other day if that don't work blame him <laughs> okay. and his wife I can't blame him <laughs> I want to thank y'all for that warm welcome I want you to know that it's pride is in all of us and I had to still fight it you went somewhere and president of the Bandios and they all pat you on the back but I'm just a filthy rag I'm looking for Jesus Christ to continue to do the work in my life but I appreciate the welcome all right so so Jim I, this isn't scripted and and you and I we both off script regularly so when they got ready to film they said this is gonna be easy peasy right here they said this is not gonna be no trouble so um, I, I just want to clarify something, not, not that I, I think what's, what's going to happen today is we're going to get an opportunity to use Jim Owen's testimony to, to glorify God. Yes. We're, we're going to get to strengthen people, but at the same time, you know, I've been in this part of the world for about 15 years. A, a lot of people here... They, they, they know some of my story, but they, they don't know all of my story. And, and so a little bit in and out, I think I'll get an opportunity to weave some of my own struggle. You know where that began. Um, into your story today to, to help people understand why I have a heart for this. So the very first thing I want to say before we get going today off script, I was never a bandit right okay but not that you didn't have the qualification <laughs> but but you married I'm, him <laughs> you married him but God's cleaning him how do you and I know each other where 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 does my story overlap with the bandits or where where do you and I this we don't have to get deep into it but from the streets of Shreveport little Chicago now Shreveport several of several of the guys that ended up being bandits ran with you yes sir and that's the affiliation uh and just have to lay it on the table the the drugs alcohol that, yeah yeah that's how it was that's yes, what sir. we were into yes sir so so this funny story I'm minding my own business. I'm, I'm trying to live a different life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. 20 years later, yes, and Lord. I'm at a ball field coaching T-ball, <laughs> and my phone rings, <laughs> and it says, Big Jim Owens, Bandito President. And I went, <laughs> I went, I went, oh my God. <laughs> I, sh I said, I don't know if I need to answer this, not answer this. How did they have my number? What am I doing? And, 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 and so I ended up posting after you and I talked and I figured out it was all, the coast was all clear. <laughs> um, I, I posted this post that said, setting all of this up on social media, because I, I was hoping there would be a day we'd get to do this. Um, that you don't necessarily know what to do when the phone rings and it's a one percenter president the biggest question i got after that from this incredible group of people was what in the world does one percenter mean <laughs> would, would, would you would you help us understand what one percenter means it goes way back to when the outlaws started they would go to these dirt track races and all and they didn't want us there so they called us the one percent of the motorcycle community that you didn't want to hang around with. 
we extended it to the 1% that didn't want to go along with society's rules. We done what we wanted to do. And that's where the 1% come in at. We good, Pop? Okay. So, so to, to get us legal today, we got to use some Bible scripture to get us going in the right direction. Amen. So I, I, you're going to just enjoy Jim, I promise. But I had reached out and I said, Jim, I, I, you know, give me a passage. Give me, give me something to, to start with. And then the Holy Spirit, who you're going to hear him talk about. How many of you love the Holy Spirit here today? Yes. The, the Holy Spirit kind of gave me, and again, this is so much of your life, but so much of my life growing up. And uh, these two scriptures popped in, into my spirit, and I just believe it was God. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, New Living Translation. They're going to throw it on the screen. Check this out. This is... Uh, again, you, you, you're here today, and you're an Oaks Church family member. You, you, you may not have rode one of the 23 bikes that are here for first service. You, you may not be a biker. You may care less about the biker community. That, that may not be your thing. I love you, and I'm honored to be your pastor. I'm honored you call Oaks Church home. I, I, I'm honored you believe in this dream that God's given us this radical vision to reach this city, all ethnicities, all generations, drug addicts, alcoholics, millionaires, doctors, lawyers, struggling marriages, whatever. I, I, I want you to know that when we sit down and we say, hey, next week's Jersey Sunday and Glenn Berto's coming, you don't have to be a football player for the message to hit you. you. You don't have to be a biker on Biker Sunday for the message to hit you. God's word has the ability to, to speak unilaterally into all of our hearts, into all of our lives. So I, I don't know where this fits you. I know where it used to fit me. Jim will know where it used to fit him. But the Bible says we can make our own plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Can, can, can I tell you what that means in deep theology? That God's not afraid of your sovereign free will, but never forget that his sovereignty is greater than yours. And even though you think you're in control, he ultimately still determines the steps of your life. And when he gets ready in his time, in due season, when your ticket is punched, number is called, switch is flipped, no matter what pig pen you found yourself in, you, like the prodder, are going to start heading home to the Father's house. There, there's, another, there's another scripture, and, that, and I'll be quick. 14, Proverbs 14. It's back two chapters, verse 12. It says, there's a path before each of us that seems right. I'm telling you, at 17, 18, all I wanted to do was be a bandito. I'm just telling you. I don't maybe never told you that. All I wanted to do was be with these guys. I was looking for something. So I was, I was getting as close as I could get. But in the end, the Bible says that path that you're so pursuing relationally, I don't know what it is for you, uh, 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 financially, that path, in the end, you think you want it, but in the end, there's death at the door waiting for you. It, it's not what you think it is. Father, I just simply pray today, I know you're going to use Jim, I know you're going to use your word, I pray that it would be a blessing to your people today, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Media Booth, would you take us to the screens right quick? Oh, no, big, big GMO. It's great to see you, my friend. Uh, so today, I got the opportunity to share your incredible testimony, your incredible bandito story for Jesus with our church, Oaks Church, in the city of Monroe, and with everybody watching. So I'm going to ask you a question. First question, everybody's going to want to know, how in the world did Jim Owens end up a president of the banditos? First, let me thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk about the Lord because it wasn't the bandits, it wasn't Jim. It was what the Lord done for Jim Owens. But I, I ended up that way because it's a dictatorship. When I first got in, they threw the president out and I got to be vice president. You were just told you'll be this. The second time I went to Texas, I was in Longview, I was trying to be a nomad. 
And they said, no, we want to start another Shreveport chapter. And I said, you ain't got nobody over there. And they, right, tell, tell us what a nomad means. A, a, a nomad you don't have, it's just one chapter. You don't like, like the Shreveport chapter, you have a president, vice president, the members. You're just of this area. But a nomad just goes around. In the old days, used to, if you stayed in Shreveport over 30 days, you couldn't be a nomad. So it, it was just, and used to, they done the dirty work. So. Sure. Right. And that, that's the rocker yep. on the bottom of the jacket. There's no man. Banditos. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. bandit. In Shreveport, it would have been Bandidos, Louisiana. But if you was a if you was a nomad, it would have just had bandidos, nomad. What's it mean when Louisiana's on there? That you're that you're that's the state you're in. Your chapter's in. What led you to want to be a biker, be an outlaw, one percenter? What led <laughs> you to the bandits? Well, <laughs> at 14 years old, I worshipped the Hell's Angel. But my daddy was hard-headed. <laughs> where I get it, and he said, "You're gonna finish school." So I thought, "Well, okay, I'll finish school. Then I'll go to California and be a Hell's Angel." Well, as it happened, I got a girl pregnant and got married before I got out of school, had a kid. Bandidos were established in 66. Okay. They didn't last, but that's when Bozier Strip was so heavy. So they didn't last 30, 60 days and the police run them out. Oh, I so then in 69, we started the chapter back. And that's when I graduated in 69, so that's when I got in Holy for the first man. time. And then. It's a dictatorship, so, so rules change. There ain't no rules. But at the time I got into some trouble, well, you, you could lay low for a while and then come back and pick your patch up. So that's what I had done. And Wheeler killed that uh, cop at, uh, at Charlie's Lounge. So things were hot in Shreveport for a while. It was just a stop off point. And then in, in, uh, in the late 90s, like I said, I went back to Longview to be a nomad. And then they decided, no, we're gonna have a Shreveport chapter. I said, ain't nobody over there. Ain't nobody to run it. They said, you going to. And I said, I, did, I wanted to be a nomad, not, you know. So that's how I ended up the president of, of this chapter and, uh, and recruited the boys. Uh, we had a support club that they used, which there again, I never liked support clubs. It, I figured either you were or you weren't, so. You know, it's sort of like being with the Lord. You are, you ain't. Oh, that's a good point, Jim. If uh, if I could ask you maybe a, just a, a story or two, uh, tell me tell me some colorful experiences of, of your time of, of being a bandit. Well, <laughs> the 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 colorful party. <laughs> Isn't that well? We just partied awful hard. I used to tell people, we, we, we party harder than you fight. But, but uh, it, it, oh, wow. it was just the camaraderie and the brotherhood. Yeah. I actually enjoyed the funerals better than I did the parties. Because the funerals was uh, uh, letting you know that you had lost one member. You didn't have as much squabbling back and forth with everybody. Uh, so I thought it was kind of sadistic, but I thought, you know, at least you can say your last goodbye. You know you won't see that brother again and, and know that you're one less. Uh, so it's sort of like getting close to God, but yet you were getting you all the other way. The, chasing after the devil, but it was still the same principle, celebrating somebody's life knowing that they were gone. You know, when, when I... That was not his fault. Um, when I watched that for about the, the seventh or eighth time this week, um, I, I, again, I think the part that I knew you were going to mention, and I told you Monday I knew you were going to mention it, the, the part that I think affects me as well, and, and I think play that we can put out there for people is, is everybody's looking for an identity. Everybody in this place at some point in time in your life when you're trying to figure out who you are, who you're going to be, what your goals, aspirations are, are to be in life, we, we all need an identity. There, there's a passage um, that, that came to mind, the Holy Spirit just dropped this in my spirit, and, and I want to read it. It's about the great apostle Paul. 
you know, quite, um, quite a bit of a contrast from, from Big Jim to, to jump into Paul that quick, but I need you to jump that quick with me. He, he says in Philippians chapter 3, um, verses 4 through 8, he says, uh, to those people that are bragging about how religious they are, or, or, or how self-righteous you are, or how godly you are in and of your own self, uh, I want you to know I could have more confidence in my own human efforts than anyone on the planet. If others have any reason to be confident in their own human achievements or own human efforts, the Apostle Paul was not shy about it or bashful. He said, I have even more. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old according to the law. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I am a member of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I'm a, I'm a real whatever your identity has told you you need to be. I'm, I'm a real hearty. I, I, I'm a real tough guy. I, I'm a real whatever. I'm a, I'm a real wealthy person. I'm a real people. Whatever. He's boasting about this confidence in who he has become. He says, I was a member of the Pharisees. I demanded the strictest obedience to all of the Jewish laws. I was zealous for the traditions of our fathers, so much so that when I heard about this church, these followers of the way, these followers of the Nazarene, these Christians, that I persecuted them even unto death. I once thought these things were also valuable to me. Jim used to think his rocker, his cut, his club was valuable. I used to think my old life was valuable. He said, but now I consider it all as worthless because of what Christ has done in my heart. Yes, everything in this world, Paul said, I've come to understand when it's in comparison, in contrast with Christ, it's worthless when compared to the infinite value of getting the opportunity, listen to me, to just get to know the Lord. Not, not your car, not your bank account, not your possessions, but it, it all, it, none of it matters when you compare it to, I just get to know God. And he says, for this reason, for this sake, I have discarded everything in my life. I count it as garbage. It's dung. It's rubbish. Some of my dearest and best friends treat earthly possessions. It was so shocking to me when I became their friends. I'd been around people my whole life that got all they could and then canned all they got. And, and now some of my best friends in life, money doesn't matter. Possessions doesn't matter. Uh, things of the sort, they just, they give them freely. They sow it. It doesn't, because none of it matters. It's not, doesn't amount to a hill of beans in comparison to knowing God and giving his love that he's given you through you into the lives of other people. I, I think about identity, and I, and I want to hear from you, Jim. I, I think about me being 17 and 18, and when we were over there, the film crew the other day, and you were talking about in the next segment, the Bozier Strip being so heavy, and, 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 and you saying the town and country, the same, you know, hotel, and they said, I want to see the hotel, and then they were like, we want to see the ditch, we want to see where the guy, we want to, so we drove all through Bozier, and, we, and, and, and the truth of the matter was, what I told them, I said, I was looking for identity, when that, when that young man, when that drug deal went bad, and, 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 and he got ready to run out of the room, and I jumped across there and grabbed him with a pillowcase and brought him in front of my friends that were, that were doing the wrong things. I, I was trying to prove myself. I, I was the youngest guy there. I wanted you to know I, I've got my stripes. I'm down for this. I'm with, I want to be a part of this. I was looking for an identity. Is, is, is there any part of that in, in, in your life, Jim? Is there any part of that in that brotherhood that, that, that you want to speak on this morning or you want to address? Yes, because we're all looking for love, just like the old song. I didn't think my daddy loved me. He never kissed me once or twice. He, he never said nothing. He came up from the 20s and the 30s. You didn't go to work, you got fired. Wasn't like it is today. So when he said cut the grass, he meant for it to be cut. So when, I, when he got home and it wasn't cut, I couldn't understand why are you raising so much cane for. Him? But the things that he did, it, it, I didn't see the love in it until after God. I hardened my heart. God softened it. Mm. My daddy'd gone. I, I don't know how much of my life I would give to just sit down 30 minutes and have a cup of coffee with him and tell him, you know, I'm sorry. Come on, Jim. You did love me. 
You loved me the, the, the way you were raised and how you were. So I turned to bandidos. I turned to try to impress people. I got a bad, bad reputation. I got the most loving heart there is. But I hardened it. And, and even in, like I said, I worshiped the Hell's Angels when I was 14 years old. I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know that motorcycle, that patch, was, was a God, was an idol to me. I might as well have been out there with Moses people walking around melting my bandio golden rings and putting on that cow and enjoying that orgy. But, but he showed me that my dad did love me, that there wasn't any love in those bandios. It was all a false brotherhood. I'm not putting them down, but I've walked that walk. When, when, when someone in school would just say something, uh, meet you after school. No, it wasn't no meeting you after school. You'd knock the fire out of them right there. Well, then you end up with a bad reputation, and you wonder why. Why do the good girls don't want to be with you? And you, know, you are a thug. But I was looking for love, and I thought that brother, that's the reason I liked the funerals. It, it made me realize, even back then, the Lord was tugging on me that this man was gone. <laughs> Oh, that's Don Chambers, the national president of the band deal. Who is that? You can't tell in that picture, but he got a hole in his head right there. We don't know the truth. Some people said he got shot. Some people said there's a motorcycle wreck and a handlebar stuck in. But he wasn't a good man. Look right there. And that wasn't in a good place in that bar either. Uh, I don't know if they had that. That was probably coming back from Sturgis. <laughs> now, there is a young idiot. <laughs> <laughs> There's his favorite part, the funerals. <laughs> if you notice, we buried our people. Mm. We, had, we had 13 shovels at my shop, and we, we, we put the dirt on them. Now, mm. I'm not putting... Christian people down. I wasn't a Christian then, but that, that was the close part of brotherhood. That was love. You were never going to see that man again. Mm. He, he, he was gone, and, it, and, and this was your last chance to say goodbye. When my grandfather died, my, grand, my daddy wouldn't let us go inside. We had to stay in the car. And I thought, well, you know, he thought he was protecting us. But I didn't get to say goodbye to my granddaddy, even though I was just a kid. And that's a bad place. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go uh, to segment two. So obviously, Big Jim, um, you know, we, we've got a little bit of your story, a little bit of your history, um, a little bit of your, your time with the bandits. Um, but even in that first segment, I think you mentioned the Lord more times than you mentioned the banditos, which obviously I love. Um, you also had mentioned to me, I can't remember if it was during an interview or today over lunch, just some of our conversation together, you, you got in and got out of the bandits twice, president, nomad, Shreveport chapter, still alive to tell about it. Did any of that, tell, how'd you come to the Lord? What, tell me, was there a struggle trying to be in both worlds? Yes, but it's, it's just like that cartoon. The devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. I didn't know nothing about God. I just, everybody knows God, but God was on the back burner. I didn't go to church. My people didn't take me to church. But but the, the Holy Spirit's always pulling at us. Hey, you, you go in a store and, and you're going to take some candy. You know, well, if I do it and I get caught, I'm in trouble. So it, it was, it, it, I would go up to Broken Bow, Oklahoma be committing adultery on my wife, being up there drunk and sinning, and, and I'd come over a mountain and I'd look out there and it might be some paint horses, it might be colored trees, but I think, man, Lord, that's you. What am I doing talking to the Lord? I didn't even know what a relationship with the Lord was, and yet I was having one and shutting it off, right? You know, I was up there committing a sin, being a, being a heathen and, 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 and trying to talk to the Lord too. I, it was just, the Holy Spirit pulling, and, and, and it just went back and forth like that. And how, how did that happen? Did, tell me, do you have a conversion experience that you would say this time? Yes and no. Like I said, I was a womanizer. 
Okay, what's good for the goose ain't good for the gander. Well, ho ho, it don't work that way. <laughs> yeah, if I catch somebody with my old lady, I'm gonna kill them. You know? Well, what? How do you think you hurt her? So I started putting myself in 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 that place, and so I quit drinking, quit okay. doing the drugs, I quit chasing women, and and here I am. I'm still a bandido, but there's a void in my life. For ten years, huh? I'm thinking I'm a good husband. No, I wasn't a good husband. I just wasn't committing adultery or getting drunk and doing drugs. And and my daughter started going to church, and she would come in, and if if they were having sex on TV, just regular TV, everything's covered up. But you knew what they were doing, so you might as well have been watching pornography. Well, she would turn her head, and I thought, man, that's what a Christian's supposed to be like. That's what a Christian's supposed to do. So my wife started going to church with her. So I started seeing these workbook things that they were doing. And I'd look and I'd think, hmm, that's the way I act. Well, what's the answer to this question? So the, the Lord was pulling and tugging on me. And, and then one of the men at church told her, said, uh, does he read? I said, she said, yeah. She said, I'm, I'm not ashamed of my husband. I'm just ashamed of the organization, organization he's with. Well, he said, he'd given a book. And I said, well, I'm the shack. Yeah. It's a fictional book. A lot of pastors say they got opinions. We all got opinions. But God wrote that book for Jim Owens mm. because I said everything in there I had done. My niece had been killed in a car wreck. I cussed God. He should have just disintegrated me. And, uh, and I said I was reading a book about that pastor over there in Bossier, uh, Don something that died on that bridge in Houston. Uh, 60 minutes in heaven or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I said, yeah, yeah, I man, that. this is a true story. Why not read a fiction book? I want to know if there's gold streets up there in heaven, you know? But every time I'd open that book up, I'd go to sleep. But I opened that shack up and I started reading and I cried three-fourths of the way through that book because that book was just touched my heart. That was me. All the judgmental, all the stuff that that man went through, I had experienced. And I still didn't come over to the Lord but my wife asked me to go to church. She'd been asking me. I thought, what is this nagging woman doing? She said, we got a guest speaker. You might get a word. What is a word? I don't know none of this stuff. I'm thinking, yeah, I better go because if she makes some orange Kool-Aid, I don't drink none of it. But I went and uh, went in there with a bandigo patch on just like I was somebody, not knowing what. But it reminded me, you know, Lord, it said, come as I am and you'll clean me up. And sure enough, when, when the man got through speaking, he got off stage, he said, I want to visit with the audience. I figured, okay, this must be that word. Well, he walked around to a few people. He went to my daughter and her husband. He said, y'all are good Christian people. You, you serve. I said, it's just like a Chinese fortune cookie. You can make that fit anything. Yeah. But then he's going to pray for you. Well, while he's praying, I'm sitting there praying in my mind. And I said, well, you know, Lord, I really wanted the man to say something to me, but he didn't. I said, but God, I still believe in you. And just as I said that, he finished that prayer. He turned, he pointed at me, and he said, God told me to pray for you. And I thought, my goodness, it's a setup. Police ain't never been able to catch me, but the roof is going to, I'm going to die right here. God it's a trap. You. My wife is hitting me back. But he came over and he started pulling on my beard some and we started talking a little and, and he said things like, you know, you didn't think God was going to do anything with you, did you? And I said, no, I sure didn't. And he said, well, you might as well give it up. He said, God's going to use you. And he said, you roar like a bear. You don't, you don't like phony stuff. He said, God's going to use that. And Ooh, I, I could word. feel the Lord. We were talking, but we wasn't verbally talking. But when I was in the club, we had two boys in there. It was twins, the Opie boys. Well, Jim got saved at a Jimmy Swaggart deal. John waited a year later. He come back to get his brother. He got saved. So when he was always coming by my shop witnessing to me, and he said, you, you're just right there. You just won't surrender. He said, you're just like Doubting Thomas. Well, I thought Dowden Thomas was a bandit. So I told him, I said, why don't we go to his house? Maybe he can tell me what he did to surrender, you know? And I said, so oh, the Lord good. and I knew it was the Lord because I told him, I said, you know, my eyes didn't water. I didn't feel nothing in my stomach. The earth didn't shake. And he said, okay, Dowden Jim, 
I can make the earth shake. And I thought, no, Lord. When them fellas was out there in that wilderness, walking around, they seen all these miracles. All this food come out of the sky, water came out of a rock. They still built a golden cow and had a calf and had an orgy. I said, I don't need miracles. I need more faith, Lord. Mm. And I said, after that night, that was on a Wednesday night, I've been seeking the Lord ever since and seeking his word and faith. And, and, and. So for me, that was the experience I had was just listening to a nagging wife and going to church. I don't even want to try to follow that. No guns, <laughs> just a nagging wife. This morning, um, uh, several guys, ladies, rode in on their motorcycles. Uh, come on, put your hands together for these folks that came out today. Uh, be sure and go out after service. Look at the bikes. Um, there is a, a black and orange, I think it's a uh, electric glide, I mean, not electric glide, a uh, road glide, 114. Who's 114 is that out there? Black and orange, one for you want is that you, Robert Warren? All right, you won the bike contest this morning, and we got you a uh, we got you a year supply of uh, of Thunderbolt polish and uh, and some spray bottles and some chamois. So don't leave and head back to your church this morning. They drove over to be in this service, Jim, before they do their service. So uh, thanks for coming over. You guys go out there and see the bikes. But as I was riding in this morning. Uh, with Randy McDonald. Where you at, Randy? Me and Randy and I were coming in. The sun was just coming up. And uh, wasn't the sunrise beautiful this morning? It just, just man, and, and you're probably thinking, what has that got to do with anything? Creation speaks. Cre cre Psalms 19 says this, the heavens proclaim the glory of God and the skies display his craftsmanship. Listen to this, day after day, they continue to speak night after night. They make God known to all of us. They speak without a sound or a word and their voice goes out all through the earth even though it is never heard. Yet the message has gone through the whole earth and all of the world has this word from him. You know, we all know God's good, but that sunrise this morning was a reminder of those paint horses and those trees. But this time I could finish the relationship and the conversation and I could thank the Lord for that beautiful song. You know, you, you may be in a, in a place in your, in your walk right now, Christian, not Christian, you know, serving the Lord for years, not serving the Lord ever at all in your life. And uh, again, it's about to be the fall. We've got ball going on, fall ball. We got football going on. We've got deer season coming. Great. Uh, lake weather, great motorcycle weather. Man, I just can't encourage you enough when you're outside in creation. Just, just take it in for a moment. Take some time and let creation speak to you. It has the ability to speak like the Word has the ability to speak, like, like getting a word from a friend. God has the ability to speak. And, and sometimes it's just been my life experience that, that creation at times can be affirming or encouraging or comforting or admonishing to you in a season or in a situation that you feel forgotten in. You, you feel God's not seen you in. You, you feel missed in it. Just, just in, this morning as I was riding, I'm just telling you things I, I haven't been hearing in the Word, things I haven't been hearing in podcasts, things I haven't been hearing from people I was hearing is I was just letting creation speak to me this morning as I was on my motorcycle on the way in. And, and I love that Jim is saying while he's in that tug of war, creation was speaking to him coming back from Broken Bow, Oklahoma. But, but I want to educate you about something the Bible teaches us. Um, there, there is so much of this world out there. Jim and I talked about it last week, Monday. You know, that either want to say I'm atheist or I'm agnostic. There's not enough information to know or I absolutely know because I am God and there is no God. There, there's people out there that, that, that hold to those trains of thoughts or those arguments, which we could quickly dismantle this morning. It's not what I'm here to do. But, but Romans chapter 1 says this, the truth of the matter is what can be known about God, he has revealed and made it obvious inside of all of us. There's a second form of general revelation that the Bible teaches. Creation is general revelation, but conscience is general revelation given to all men on the planet. Now, we may harden our hearts, we may sear our consciences, 
But the truth of the matter is, there's no man, no woman on this planet that does not know that there is not a God because God has said he's put it in them. What I want, what I want you to know is, is, is there's times maybe that creation is speaking and you're not listening. There, there may be times that your conscience is speaking, and I want you to know that your conscience was hardwired by the creator. And it represents God's will and desire for your life. How, how many of you really have trouble listening to your own conscience, though, at times? Then there's this third form of revelation. It's not general revelation. It's, it's special revelation. It's, it's that Tom and Jerry cartoon that Big Jim was talking about, that little red angel and, and that little white angel. It's called flesh and spirit. You can find that in Galatians. It's the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. It says this, so I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Learn to let the Holy Spirit. Is, is that not a mouthful? Anybody having trouble learning to let the Holy Spirit guide? I mean, it's easy to let him guide your life on this. It's easy to let him guide your life on that. But there may be one area or three areas or some area in a back closet you don't want nobody to know about. And, and you've got that tug of war going on. It says, learn to let the Holy Spirit be the dance leader in the dance you're dancing through the dance of life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature is crying out inside of you. Hey, memo, no, 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 public service announcement. I don't care who you are in here. I don't care how long you've known the Lord. I don't know how much money you give, how high you jump, every worship song, you know them. You have a fallen nature inside of you, and that fallen nature is able to lead you to a path of destruction with one bad decision at the blink of an eye. Listen, the, the flesh is pulling one way. The Holy Spirit's pulling us another way. And the Bible says these two are opposite to one another. These two are so opposite of one another, it says that they constantly fight with each other so that you and I are not free to carry out our good intentions. How many of you have had good intentions? But like, I had great intentions, and I ended up in the wrong place. It says this, so listen, here, here's the hope. But when you learn to let the Holy Spirit lead, when you learn to let the Holy Spirit lead, you never have to worry about being on the opposite side of God's will or God's law. So all I'm simply saying, when I watch that, that, that second part, Jim, trying to make it unilaterally applicable to everybody in here, they may not rode a bike this morning. They may never been to Broken Bow, Oklahoma. They may not be in the turmoil that you were in. But there's something inside of every one of us where we're in that struggle. We're, we're in that. And, and I just want you to know God has not left himself without witness. Creation is a witness. Amen. I want you to know that your consciousness inside of you is a witness of God. It's his fingerprint that he left inside of you so that you can never get too far and forget who really made who. And, and then number three, you get this relationship with God going and the Holy Spirit's coming in and he's ministering the word. I, I, I guarantee you somebody here today can say, you've had the Holy Spirit make you quote some Bible scripture, some proverb, some psalm, some verse that you didn't even knew you knew. And it'll just come out in a moment. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Holy Spirit says. So just, just know that when you're in that turmoil, that struggle, that tension, I'm in it. I'm in it. You're in it. When we're in it, God has not left himself without a speaking witness. And Big Jim is proof. Big Jim is proof that that witness can pull you to where you need to be. It can pull your life where God wants it to be. Let, let's jump to segment three right quick, Jared, for time's sake. All right, Jim, um, today, before we sat down, you and I were just walking through your shop. Love it. Took lots of pictures. And uh, you, you walked out and you brought me this patch and uh, you told me a little, little bit about your dream and what the Lord was saying to you. And we're going a different direction. But what I took away from this patch, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, is uh, is the Lord's kind of given you a different message today. He, he's kind of given you a different legacy. Not necessarily who you were, but who you are today, what you want to do today. You talked to me about selling your shop, uh, about doing more work for the Lord, for the kingdom. Um, if, if you could speak for you, what do you want your legacy to be? What, what do you believe God did what he did in your life? What, what would you say to, to young men like me 
at 18 that were headed down the wrong road, what would you say the bikers in our congregation today, people watching all over the internet, what, what would you say? I would say I used to have a saying that I'd rather rule in hell than be on my knees. And I'm glad the Lord took that away from me. Whew. Now I don't want to rule, I want to serve the Lord. I want to do what he wants me to do, not what Jim Owens wants to do. Jim Owens wants to be obedient to Jesus Christ for what he did for me. He has loved me unconditionally. And I, I, my heart, I've seen these demons. I've done these drugs. I've, I've done this alcohol. I've chased these women. I, I, I have been mentored. That's why I look like this. But now I want to mentor for Jesus. I want these guys to know that no, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not a man. I thought my uh, man was the, the person that treated his wife the horriblest, has the most girlfriends, and could beat everybody up. But, but, but that's not what a man is. A man is somebody that can humble himself, give a helping hand, and pull somebody up. It, it, it's fallen seven times seventy. It, it, the falling's the easy part. But having somebody help you get up and understand that no, you're not a hypocrite. You, you, you ask for repentance, you ask for forgiveness, and, and, and you try. You, he knows we, we, we're more convicting of ourselves than he is. We want to beat ourselves up all the time. It's as, when he forgave us, it's as far as the east is from the west. Well, try it. Head east, and you'll just keep going east. You never know, west. He has, I've asked God before, oh, you know, God, I just really want you to know. I know you ain't hearing this, but I was really sorry about all that stuff I did. But, you know, that's just for me. That's not for him. He, so I want to speak into these young guys' hearts. The, 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 when they're in jail, when they, when they think their parents, everybody else is against them, that, you know, God has never turned his back on us. He will never leave us. He will always love us till, till, till that last breath. We had just like that thief on the cross. He didn't even ask to be forgiven. He just said, Lord, remember me. And, and, and you know, but the Holy Spirit had worked on him because he told that other thief before that, no, shut up. We deserve everything. This man doesn't. How did he know what Jesus deserved? He didn't. The Holy Spirit was tugging on him. So just, I would say to the younger guys and want to say to them, let the Holy Spirit have his way. This surrender, we, we do, we, the hardest thing to do is surrender. Mm. Now we can sure surrender to Satan in a heartbeat, but, but when that hatch is open in that drowned, in that sinking ship, we want to hesitate on, on, on swimming up there to it. The, the Lord's waiting on us, just eternity. I, I, I never, you know, I said something about the gold, the streets being gold. I can't imagine, as that song goes, I just can't imagine, but I think about it all the time. How beautiful these flowers are here, how beautiful the different colors are, the creation you have done today, Lord. Man, I can't wait. Come, Jesus, come, because heaven has got to be something else. So that's what I would like to carry on to them is you're a man when you stand up and say, no, I love Jesus. You, know, you, can, you can take all that sinful life. That's, that's easy to do that. But, but to, to say you love Jesus, mean it. And, and then know when you fail, you want to just throw in the towel, but no, he still got his arms open. You want to say anything, Brother Pastor Chad, would you come? You know, when you asked me about that verse, God made me different. I've argued with God. I don't know any verses in the Bible. I've read it eight times. I don't know anything but John 3.16. I didn't know how to answer Pastor John, but then the Holy Spirit touched me reading my devotionals. And, and if I've got it right, Lord, forgive me if I don't. John 11.35. And it says, Jesus wept. Now, that would have to be, I guess, my best one because he wept for me. He not only wept those tears, he wept blood. So for, for you young guys, for, for anybody older, 
That was the greatest thing he could do. He gave his son for our sorry lives. He didn't, we didn't have to do anything. There was no test to take. There was no job to work. It, it was just surrendering and give it to him. There's where that true love is with him. Did I, did I talk to you this morning? I, 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 before you church. You wouldn't answer your deal. You I was on my lost. motorcycle. <laughs> I was on my motorcycle. Anybody wants to know, the, the Coliseum is right down there. That's where I was sitting. <laughs> when I walked in church this morning, he said, are you late? I was here for loading. I'm stacking chairs. You out there talking, polishing your motorcycle. What? I, I, said, I said, oh my goodness. You got to go back to Shreveport. That's what's got to happen. <laughs> I did not talk to you. The verse that the Lord gave me was also Matthew 11. It was the verse right before it. Right before, 1135, 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, come unto me, all of you that are weary, and carry these heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle of heart. And then you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and the burden I give you is light. When I was praying about that, thinking about that, I, I kept hearing your illustration of if you're in a submarine and it started going under and you could see the hatch. You're at a fork in the road in your life, and, and it's easy to make the wrong decision. It's, it's easy. How many of you know it's easy to make the wrong decision? Your flesh... It's hard to live through the consequences after that. But it's so hard to make the right decision, to swim to that hatch. So hard to run to Jesus, but it's easy to live after you do. It's, 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 it, the world promises you, oh, freedom, happiness, whatever it is you're searching for. What song were you talking about? I know. Looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Right? You, you, you thought it was there. You get it, and you go, oh, God, what do I have? <laughs> Nothing. It, it, it looks right, but then when you get it, it's, it's empty. Look at this other decision. Well, that's not appealing. That's, that's not attractive. That's not good. I, I, that's, I don't really want to do that. To be honest, that's kind of boring. You make that decision, it's very hard inside of you, and then the life you have after that is a life of joy and peace and happiness, goodness. The enemy's saying, take this bait, and then he burdens you down. God's saying, take this door, and then he frees you from the burden. I, I wrote these two words down, surrender and obey, because that's, that's what I got from what you were saying. You looked at the camera, and you said, all I would say is surrender. Surrender what? Surrender your will. Surrender your way. I have a will. I have a way. It's hard. It's minute by minute. It's day by day. You said to me there, I told the staff, I got so tickled. He, in one of the outtakes, he, he, he basically started saying, I hope your obeying lines up with your believing. That's what he's, he said. A lot of people say they believe. He said, but if it counts on your obeying when you get there, where was your obeying? I was like, whoo, that's tight, but right, right there, Jim. You surrender, and then you obey. Now, again, that, that could be, man, that could be as big as the Empire State Building for some of us. If, if our lives are, are so far one direction, you just, you just start with a little thing. You, you just start, you just start, I, she's going to kill me for saying this. I do not have her permission, so I won't say her name, but, but one young lady that I love, we love, and, and are proud of, she, when I first met her, she said, I want you to know I came to your dang church and you said something about vaping and I ain't been vaping since. And then my vape fell in the toilet or something like that. I don't know. She, I was like, well, I, don't, I wasn't getting on nobody vaping. But in that moment, she was like, no, it wasn't you. It was the Holy Spirit was talking to me about this one thing. Maybe you don't change everything. Don't go at it like that. We, another story, Pastor Joseph, I'm not going to call their names, point them out, but <laughs> Pastor Joseph was meeting with somebody this past week. I got a phone call from them. I've been knowing these people have been at Oaks Church for a year and a half. 
they called me. They said, I ain't living right. I can't serve. I met with Pastor Joseph. My things ain't together. Did you know all this? I said, yeah, I knew all that. Never changed anything. I loved you the whole time. I said, do you know what you are to me? And they said, what? And I said, you're number 19. Because we've had 18 other ones in the same situation right before you. I keep that statistic too. You're just number 19. I, just, I loved you before. I love you now. You just start somewhere. You just start making good decisions somewhere. Surrender something today. Walk out of here with a new decision to say, as I surrender it, I'm going to walk in obedience towards God in it now. Little by little, little by little, little by little. I asked Jim to do something he said he had never done before. And I feel this is an appropriate time. Pastor Chad, please stay. This is probably a curveball for you. But I want you to get your hearts in a place like maybe you're, you're getting ready to pray, getting ready to receive. Jim, I asked Jim, would he look into the camera and pray for you today? Would you go to that, Jared? Well, by this time, the service should be ending. I would hope, I would pray that everyone in here was touched by the Holy Spirit. I would like for you to just keep it in mind that it's, it's, it's harder to obey Jesus, to, to follow him, but to, to just give in, surrender. What could be any greater than eternity and life in heaven? Because you're going to have eternity and life in the non-smoking or the smoking section. So, you know, when the when the Holy Spirit is pulling on you, listen. I had so much trouble. I still have so much trouble hearing from God. But I don't be still. I don't let Him be God. Try to take enough time in the day to understand. Two rocks didn't bump together. You can't take a box with nothing and another box with nothing and pour it together and get something. But you put your faith in the Holy Spirit and eternity in heaven will be yours. I would hope that, that you will take that moment, that time to, to, to just thank Jesus and, and, and want to be with him. And, and, and to me, nothing else in this world could draw me away from wanting to be in heaven for eternity with Jesus Christ. I'm gonna get you there.